Hey there, friends. I am Ryan Henry, and welcome to 180, where we get to share absolutely amazing stories of Christian transformation from around the world. I'm talking every stage, every age, every region, from a homecoming queen to a witch doctor. I mean, these stories are just so, so exciting. And you can find us at 180podcast.com. That's O N E 80podcast.com. And please, would you just press that share your story button and maybe you'll even be able to be a guest on the show. Would they ask me to renounce my faith and and thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, even if our God doesn't save us, we will still not bow down. And so... What does that mean for me right now? Would I renounce my faith? How do you share your testimony when you've grown up in the church? I mean, no miraculous conversion experience, just the ever-deepening faith rooted in the gospel. Well, remember, God wrote your story, so by nature, it's already awesome. Friends, if you fit this category, you do have a story to tell. And we like to call it a when faith gets real testimony. J.D. grew up in the church. His dad was a pastor. He even knew that he wanted to be a missions doctor at the young age of nine years old. And that is what he is today. Learn about the pivotal moment when his faith gets real. And we're not talking about the time he was captured by the Taliban. That comes later on in the show. You are going to want to listen in on this today on 180. JD, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on 180 today. You're very welcome. Good to be with you guys. We're honored. So just so beyond honored to have you. And I really appreciate you taking the time to to come and just talk to us about your life and your story. But before we get too far into your story, we always start with our random question generator. Okay. So what is the craziest food that you've ever tried? <laughs> craziest food. I guess coming to America when I was 15 years old and really loving all kinds of new variety that I was now exposed to, I thought that the Chinese food that we have in the States is really very close to actual Chinese food Yeah. until I traveled to Singapore. <laughs> and Singapore has a great outside eating tradition. And my friend ordered all the stuff that does not look very appetizing. <laughs> It is true authentic Chinese food experience. And, you know, soon enough, my palate just got kind of used to a new stuff that I was eating, like things like squid and things like that you yeah. wouldn't necessarily think is right. very great. It's just like boiled and in a soup yeah. format in front of you. But um, I did enjoy it, probably because I enjoyed the conversations and the fellowship with my friend more than I enjoyed the food. But I, I think that's probably one of the craziest. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't say I tried that. So that's, uh, you've got me beat on that one. That's awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, let's jump in. I, I'm excited to hear about, yeah, you said when you moved to America, when you came here. Let's go back to the beginning. Where where did you grow up? So I grew up in two different states in India. So as you can imagine, India is so diverse in its mm. um, multi-ethnic, multi-perhaps traditions, mores. Yeah. So mm. I grew up in the Northeast for the first four years of my life and then came back down to the southern tip in a state called Kerala. 
and uh, we are in the in the Christian tradition, maybe famous for the fact that Saint Thomas, Thomas the Apostle, came, and the second time he came, he was martyred in the southern tip of of India. Mm. So that tradition of having Christendom or the gospel in that region goes back to the early first century. Yeah, yeah. It's a state called West Bengal, and it's the Bengali people. So the people mm. who are from that state and also Bangladeshis who got sidestepped, if you will, during the the Indian independence. So there are mm. these two Muslim nations, and one was Pakistan that we know of the land of the pure, and the East Pakistan, which later in 73 got independence from Pakistan and became Bangladesh, which is the place of Bengali. Mm. So that's a predominantly Muslim area. Mm. Yeah, so that's the, that's the rich heritage and rich history. As you know, as even in the Christian mission history, the first known missionary, William Carey, came to that specific region and did mm. so much work. And wow. um, the seminary that started as a result of his work, that's where my dad went to, get oh, his wow. uh, divinity degree, and uh, that's where I get to spend my childhood on that campus. Wow, that's amazing. What a what a like legacy to have dad go there. So was your household a Christian household then, I'm assuming? Yeah, so I would say one part, my background, we just don't know how far it goes back to, but it definitely comes from the, the tradition that got influenced by Thomas. And the other half, my dad's side, comes more likely from the Christian missionaries that came from England. So from both sides, going way back, and perhaps the recent history only going back a few centuries, does have Christian heritage. So it's been really an honor and a privilege to grow up in a Christian tradition, which probably still has the local influence, right? So we're never devoid of whatever influences that are around us. That's something that I've only started appreciating maybe in the past decade or so. Yeah, yeah. So as a, as a child growing up, what was your family life like? Yeah, my dad and mom had a very, in your podcast, a 180 sort of personal uh, sort of testimony on their own, and which really was a difficult turn for them in their own lives, because what that meant was they were both excommunicated from their families because they decided not to follow the traditional faith and right. uh, the cultural expressions of their centuries-old tradition. Yeah. And so when they had a very meaningful faith encounter with Christ, they both decided that they were going to give up. Uh, in fact, my dad went to the Sarampur Seminary that William Carey had started to become a priest, an Anglican priest, but he only mm. lasted about nine months in the priesthood, hmm. uh, and mainly because he was conducting a funeral ceremony where the the powers to be in the local diocese said, you don't have the right to bury this person in this plot because they don't give enough. They don't provide enough as tithe hmm. into the parish and to the local funds, to which dad was a little outraged and quoted James, where it talks about you don't show partiality. Wow. And But that, that didn't go too well. But then God was dealing with them. That was just a tip of the iceberg yeah. or an incident that allowed them to kind of get out of right. the parish. Mm. God was dealing with both of them in, a, in powerful ways to really explore their faith outside of the box, outside of the comfort zone. So that was, mm. a, that was a huge 180 
turn for the family. And I still remember that that night when we, in faith, just um, took all of our, a little bit of the belongings that we had and stood outside of the parish boundary wall and just waited as if we knew what, what our next step was. Yeah, off to a new land. Yeah, yeah, really to somewhere where God was going to show us, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it brings me tears even now, because as I think about my parents' faith, and their faith journey, that has had a huge impact on me as I've taken some steps of faith. Wow. I could just imagine that right now for your family to kind of put everything on the line and, you know, make steps to obey God. And wow, how cool too for you to see that example. As you said, it kind of played out in your life as well. So so what was that next step for your family? So that meant that they just kind of get out and, and leave the comfort behind and, and just see what God might have in store, right? Not knowing what that next step or next day would bring, we literally got picked up by a local evangelist just like 10 miles away or something like that. And that kind of started, I mean, he loves teaching. He's a scholar to the nth degree and and he enjoyed that along with starting a local local church. And then that's kind of how our faith journey as a family started outside of the very established faith tradition of the Southern Indian Christian tradition. Yeah. Well, what were you like as a child? I always kind of got in trouble and I always just never could sit still and always <laughs> want to do stuff or play yeah. or get into trouble. But I was also studious enough to kind of um, be inquisitive. So mm-hmm. early on, I developed a liking towards science. I wasn't all that great at, at math, but good enough to do all the homework and get through it. So I, I felt like maybe science is something that I would eventually fall in love with. But that was that was also a, a more of a reflection of the culture because in back in the 70s, many people looked into science or engineering to have more of a stable future, right? People just didn't mm-hmm. think of anything else. But I kind of stayed uh, in that science track. And I think maybe having that focus early on helped me to really start thinking what would be a what would be a way I could really honor and follow the footsteps that my parents and their faith tradition has had, the impact that it has had mm. in my own life, and and that made me think about medical missions, and that was mm. also very early on, like nine or ten, when I made that decision. Well, mainly because of my dad being with me at a at a missions conference. I ended up seeing this documentary of a Japanese medical doctor going to the interior parts of China, maybe part of the Hudson Taylor Inland China movement and the mission movement, and kind of giving his life as a result of that call. And that touched me powerfully. And and as a result of that, you know, seeing that documentary, I said, oh man, I would love to be a mission, a missionary doctor. Kind of growing up in the mission family as well, having read a few of these great mission stories. Yeah. That definitely spoke to me early on. That I think maybe without that mission story, maybe I would have taken a different turn, but I'm glad I, I kind of stuck with that. Uh, that well, it sounds like it's yeah. been pretty good for you, pretty successful with it, which I'm well, excited to, yeah. to hear more <laughs> about that. So so you were you had mentioned that you like to be active, and I understand what that means when kids are looking for things to do. Sometimes it's not always the best choices. Do you got a story for us of something that maybe you chose to do as a kid? Oh yeah. Your so time. so early on, I think I think I was very fidgety. So I could never 
I always felt like, you know, taking my time and pacing myself in anything is such a waste of time, right? So mm. I couldn't have been more than six years old. We were all walking back from our local fellowship hall and walking back home. And, and my parents early on in their ministry really <clears throat> fell in love with the niche that they started developing was among the college age groups. So many of these young college students would just come hang out at our place. So I remember rushing back home, being so much ahead of the rest of the pack. But then I slipped and I fell. Uh, this is a bit gory and, and, and I don't mind sharing these sort of Stories speak. <laughs> Being a doctor, I've seen, <laughs> right. seen a few gory situations. So, yeah. unfortunately, these two cement slabs had a cut in between, and one of the iron rods that go in between these two slabs had a right at the cut. Also, had a deviation, and my my left leg fell into that divider, and this sort of iron rod went right through and pierced quite heavily into right by the medial portion of my knee, left knee. Oh. And I was, I mean, not to mention not only pain, but I also felt that guilt and embarrassment and, and the fact that now my mom and dad will have to cater to this. And I was <laughs> bleeding to no end. So, But I had to wait a good two, three minutes before the others could catch up to me and, wow. and find me in this disposition. So that's that's a good story that I remember. I have plenty of those where oh, I've gotten in trouble for doing something goodness. that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah, many of them accidents that I still have scars to show. Oh my gosh, that's, you know, it's funny as you're talking about that, that kind of hits really close to home because my wife and I will have young adults over and it seems to, every time we're having people over, there's always a crisis. You know, a child <laughs> drops a glass and it shatters, not in three pieces, but in, you know, 2,000 pieces <laughs> all over the living room for where we're going to host people. It's like every, every time, but it's okay. It's just yep. the nature of children. So, <laughs> yeah. So, throughout my childhood, I have at least five or six of those things yeah, where I get wow. into where I shouldn't. It's like another book. <laughs> yeah, probably I should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, my kids would definitely like to read that. They probably think it's interesting. <laughs> so, okay, so what was your view of God at this time? And I know you're in a you know Christian family, but what do you remember having your own personal view of God um, as a young one? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I I think I was just enjoying people's presence. So the way I would have seen God and experienced God had so much to do with how fellowship with others and how I felt in that fellowship. So. If now looking back, I would have had a hard time defining my personal faith on my own mm -hmm. and how I felt mm -hmm. about God. But then again, I've been reminded over and over again through the great, great uh, commandment that such a big portion of how we understand God is also in our love for others. But it's taken wow. me a long time to realize there is also that component of loving myself and how I define myself and the love that God has for me. And mm. that's probably a component that took a long, longer time yeah. to get better defined. Mm. So at that time, a good question, a good answer to your question would be, I defined it really through the fellowship with others yeah. and, and the joy of fellowship, yeah. fellowshipping with others. Yeah, that's great. And I, I actually think that's an incredibly valid answer too, because it's, you see that in the Bible, it's like the love of the body of Christ is such an important yeah. part of understanding the heart of God and understanding God. So that's really neat that that was instilled and ingrained at a very, very young age. 
So growing up, was there was there a time where you, you know, started to feel far from God? I, I think, you know, when you think of these very pivotal moments that sort of define faith, I feel like, you know, some of them come in perhaps extreme circumstances, right? Maybe like my sister and I, we had a bus accident that really should have killed all of us children oh, in the in the bus. I really didn't have anything that kind of comes across like crisis moments until yeah. maybe I hit my early 20s when my when my mom passed away in a car accident. Oh and uh, so that was like, that. yeah, that was a very defining moment for me because I felt like truly for the very first time felt like, you know, I have really defined my faith through the filter of my parents' faith. And yeah. losing my mom in a car accident, seeing her, you know, even that same day, she had gone out to speak at a women's conference, uh, mm. seeing the delight in her glorifying God through her, her testimony or God's story, uh, mm. seeing the delight in her through her life, and then having to, at the end of that same day, deal with this horrific news that wow. she's passed on. That, that was very difficult. It took a few months to sort of even begin to put it into words. Uh, she was an anchor in not only our family and our culture, but also in our faith. You know, mom yeah. was the first to come to Christ outside of the old traditional, you know, Christian culture. That then led to my dad coming to Christ. Their life together led to many of the family members having a a uh, transformative experience so quickly then not being ready for a life-changing event and then losing her just over a, a span of a moment, right? So that was right. a very difficult yeah, scenario to deal with. Hmm. I can't even imagine it, you know. I, yeah, just thinking about how that must have just shooken you really, really hard. I mean, uh, to lose somebody who's so pivotal like that and um, monumental yeah. in your life. How did you, how did you get through that? I you? remember that night when I was the first one to go to the hospital and then having to, being the first person to then explain it to my sister and then coming home that night after having about even late into the evening, 50 of our closest friends showing up at the, at the hospital, not wanting to leave us to handle that, that news on our own. And then kind of mentally preparing and emotionally preparing for the next day where we have to deal with, in a good way, I mean, you know, I, I suppose growing up in the Indian culture and the hospitality culture, it's, it's easier to deal with things with others and harder to deal with things alone because it's just a communal yeah. culture, right? Communal yeah. nature of the way, way things are handled. So I remember only having a few hours of sleep that night and that first night and, and in my mind mentally preparing for the next day and saying to God, I don't, I don't have the strength to deal with mm. you right now, huh, yeah. but, but I would like to. This is so unfair. But when I, when I do have the time and the energy and the strength, to really deal with this, I do have some questions for you. Yeah. And that night, even in the few hours that I did end up sleeping, I felt like God gave me such such a peaceful sleep and very restful sleep. And one of the things that happened is I had a dream that night. And in the dream, uh, mom was in the middle of just a great multitude of people just singing the hallelujah chorus. And in my internal, I mean, like a, a family inside joke is that 
dad was really into music and he was he was a, a great singer and very you know musically talented enthusiast and i got into music early on and my sister also followed that and and our joke inside was mom was the only one who couldn't sing but she always <laughs> she always really cheered us on and she was our best cheerleader and i would i would just see in this dream that mom was in the middle of this horde of people uh, just singing praises to god wow. and and i think just seeing her face and just a glorious face and getting the feel that she's exactly where she is destined to be, you know, praising God while she was here on earth, but just delighting in God's presence now that she has left us. And I never realized how much just that vision of of where mom is, how much that carried me for the next two weeks when we just had one thing after another, one thing after another to deal with until the memorial service and the funeral service. And then concurrently, my dad being in the ICU for five days because of the horrific nature of his own, the depth of the various injuries he had to deal with, and then having to, you know, really be very careful with dad, kind of knowing yeah. about what had happened. And once he came out and, and him sharing with us uh, while we had, uh, you know, set up all of this amazing ways where uh, a good close family friend could share the news with them but then he ends up sharing the news with all of us saying that you know god already showed me through a dream that mom has passed away Gosh. and then just kind of dealing with those two two weeks and then kind of crashing it's that then that i realized that that dream had really kind of taken me through those two weeks yeah and god is so faithful in in giving oh. us the 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 courage and and the energy to deal with certain valleys of life and the way he deals with that is so powerful and it's so intentional the way he deals with it so i always go back to that as as one of my you know precious milestones or pivotal intersections in life where god was so real to me oh so good it's so good because it's so true the the faithfulness of god i just i guess wow speechless because, you know, it's some would look into that and they would say, yeah, that's nice. It's a dream. Mm. But I understand that how significant that was for you and how the, the, the kindness of God that in such a dark moment that he would give you something like that to hold on to you, you know, and, and yet it was enough. It was enough to, in, to, to carry you through those next couple of weeks where mm. some people, you know, they, they feel like they've got nothing to grab onto. There's nothing to stand on. And yet the kindness of God, even in your honest anger, mm. or whether you call it anger or just, you know, I can't deal with you right now, but in sure. your, on, your brutal honesty, the kindness of God that he could, he would still give that to you. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. Just, yeah, it's amazing. Just the, the how the Lord was so kind to, to give that vision for you. And, and how, what, what effect, if you could, would you say that that moment had on your faith? Yeah, I would say, I would say for God to be that personal and that huh. intentional in speaking specifically to a moment where I felt very, very low, very just famished in terms of just energy, even the ability to think or have any sort of balanced approach on anything, right? So uh, when you are in your lowest moment, that I, I think God could show up that powerfully. Thanks for tuning in to 180. Make sure to follow, like, and share our show with your people. Now, back to the show. 
And sometimes it it takes us, I know it did for me, to look back at that moment and appreciate it. Because when you're going through it, you might be going through, you know, enough of whatever it might be, adrenaline or or having to deal with certain pressures that are right in front of you. But then you realize, and, and this is something that I've only appreciated much later, that that how, especially for a busybody like me, how intentional I need to be with pausing uh-huh. and and intentional about those those moments where I can create whether it's margins or spaces to reflect on on God's character. Because left to my own devices, I wouldn't make space for that. Because, you Absolutely. know, there's way too much to experience, too many conversations to be had. And and I would say even over the last, you know, three or five years in my early to mid-40s to appreciate those pauses, those being intentional about creating those moments, to reflect, to realize who God is, to really be intentional about assessing his character. That's where it becomes really real. Looking back and say, wow, that's how God was real to me in those dark times or when I really needed him. So then you appreciate what David is talking about. You know, even though I walk <laughs> through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So, so from, that, from that point on, can you continue just to tell us what, what happened next? Where did life go? Yeah, maybe, maybe another big moment was kind of connecting with my future wife and... You know, sort of, and we were friends in college, but never really thought of each other as, you know, future soulmates. Looking back, I wonder whether I was also going through a very difficult time of missing my mom. But then, then obviously deepening my connection, friendship, going through courtship with, with my future wife, then going through my, my, uh, my degrees, whether that was, I really, I feel like looking back and all the moments of educational you know, sort of experiences. I really enjoyed my graduate school, and that's what I really wanted to do much more than medicine. I wanted to get into public health and preventive medicine and training in that arena. And I really enjoyed the the friends that I made, yeah, and and I still keep in touch with a handful mm. of them, handful of those friendships and friends even now. Then going into medical school, not realizing how tough it would be, I wanted to probably carry the same vein of of how much fun I had in graduate school. But then right after I was done with the first two years, I got married and then I got desperately sick. There are mm. so many of these moments where now that I look back, I had these valley moments where God was probably using those to define who I am in him while mm. I was not pausing long enough to understand that definition of who I am in Christ. Because I, I was still sort of leading life in terms of my own goals of accomplishing certain things. You know, maybe only pausing to enjoy a moment once I achieve a milestone, so to speak. Yeah. And I think now that I've already come to my, you know, late 40s, I realize, wow, I could have I could have appreciated life slightly differently if I were to be intentional about pausing. If I yeah. were to be, I think th- this is, truly why we have enough lamentations written throughout Psalms, right? Because I think God wants you to pause and and say, hey, be honest with me. How are you feeling about your faith journey? How are you feeling about life? How are you feeling about me? And how are you feeling about others, right? So when we don't take those moments, it could really become difficult because you're just kind of going on cruise control as as I think of it now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
as much as like you said, it's hard going through the valley because it's it's not it's not fun to go through the valley. (laughs) But yet you've seen, and especially I think for someone who's grown up in a household who has you know known the Lord has Christian values, you know you can't live off of the faith of your parents, and you know the Lord has to reveal Himself to you in a very personal way. And it's interesting because it sounds like you've had a series of of these moments where God shows you just how faithful that he is. Mm. And it's almost like each one kind of builds up, you know, like he prepares you for the next one and prepares you for the next one so that every single time you can draw upon, you know, your history with God to to face really, really hard things. So I just think it's, yeah, again, another just, yeah, observation of the kindness of the Lord in your in your life, even though it's not fun to go through. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the reward is, you know, to know him better. Okay, so you 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 meet your future, you know, you meet your wife, mm-hmm. you guys got married. How, how did that all go down and, and, and how did life change with that? I think the first several years, again, more of a retrospective view, I would say that I really was learning life or or maybe appreciating life just on cruise control or what I had anticipated certain moments to be. And having gotten married in the middle of medical school, certainly I didn't intentionally oh make anything easier for me, right? So yeah, for myself yeah. or my wife. But now I can look back and appreciate, wow, that was a valuable lesson, specifically sort of custom made for me to understand God's goodness, God's character, his heart. And I I feel like I'm continuing to learn similar lessons, perhaps even deeper, in the various opportunities God has provided in terms of teaching good, valuable lessons I need to appreciate Mm. and understand further. Could you could you talk to us? Yeah, I think I think I had a variety of sort of short term missions, mission opportunities. And that made me realize maybe maybe my role might not necessarily, as much as I enjoy and and can appreciate and even anticipated the long-term conventional mission work, my various exposure has only allowed me to do short-term missions. And even my connection to the country and nation of Afghanistan ended up being these two to three week sort of uh, exposure trips into the country where I had a very specific role to play. And, And in my in my role, that was mainly doing public health or preventive medicine training. And I could appreciate the more I got into it, that role very well because it fit my personality. I could assess these milestones or these huge gaps, uh, looking at the gaps and how things were developing, specifically within the public health education arena or even in the personal development in the lives of people that I came across, seeing their growth or maybe lack of growth or what they were dealing with and struggling with and the, and the conversations mm. we could have mm. about just, you know, various life events and and experiences. So in many ways, I, I felt like, you know, this is exactly what I dreamt about and God is, right. God is so good and, and things are hunky-dory and things are working out just well until, of course, I have another life-changing event. Mm. Which was <laughs> <laughs> the time that I ended up spending with some active insurgents in Afghanistan. That just kind of very much switched. That truly was a 180 event in my life where once again, I felt like I was on that, on, in that crossroad of having to be very direct in my frustrated moment of asking God, now this can't 
be how things are going to turn out. You know, yeah. we, we've worked so hard, also. right, to get here. And so, yeah, would you take us take us to the event? And we know that you know you've got a book that kind of lines this out too. But if for our listeners, could you just talk to us about what happened and yeah. and yeah, what yeah, what you experienced in that? So this was my tenth trip to Afghanistan, and it, this is now late 2012, December. And you know, we're just doing a routine medical clinic visit of training and assessment, evaluation of various medical programs. And uh, my two Afghan colleagues and I, we make our way down the mountain and we get stopped by a gunman on the side of the road. And, you know, having traveled and and been exposed to various possibilities like this, I, I quickly came to the simple realization that these guys were going to be another roadside robbery situation where they might very likely will just end up killing us and moving on to their next target. But then it evolved to more of a hostage situation, which became a five-day hostage event, Holy which then Jesus. led to, and, and looking back, that that seems so short because some of them could last for months, if not a few years, and then becomes really difficult in terms of, you know, from a U.S. government standpoint, we don't pay ransom. So as a government, that's our stance. And I, I very well knew that you know, getting into a situation like this. And so then it becomes a more of a private uh, negotiation, right, between maybe families or maybe even organizations and these insurgents. And in my case, it became a sequence of events that that did not need to, by any means, natural event, you know, array of events that could have had hundreds of ways of falling apart, but a sequence of events that really fell to such such great successful uh, sequence that ended up being something where the military and the DOD and the, the special forces got involved. And it became a rescue event where the Navy SEALs ended up rescuing me. And then concurrently, eight hours before my rescue, my two Afghan colleagues were separated. And they got almost almost to the same time, uh, if not maybe half an hour difference, the Afghan National Army ended up rescuing them. So all three of us get out of this event literally unscathed and without a scratch on our bodies. And now thinking back about that, that wow. that's just an amazing set of events that happened in those five days that led to this type of a successful event. But certainly it was not successful for everyone because the very first Navy SEAL that came into my rescue got hit by the bullet, one in a million shot that took his life. Oh. Everyone that was involved in holding me and and the household that was involved in in my very last and the place where I was being held, all of them got killed. So there are a lot of horrific events that happened in connection to my my rescue and my hostage situation, which which is certainly not easy to deal with. But then it again makes you go back to perhaps a very humble stance of okay, if you have preserved my life, what what is that? What is that for? Uh, what's right. your purpose for me? Right. And so more, more introspection and uh, more surrenderance. To know that somebody, you know, uh, Navy SEAL who, you know, passed away rescuing you, did that give you more of a understanding of what it means to have, you know, Christ? Mm give himself for us. Yeah. 
I've thought of that many times, and even the death of my mom and right. and uh, resubmission have made me think of that theme several times in life. You know, what does it mean for others to have a very, very deep impact and yeah. very direct sort of sacrificial impact right. on your own life? And yes, that does deepen my resolve of wanting to understand what does it truly mean for Christ to sacrifice himself for my life? yet adds a earthly, deeper meaning to it, for sure, for the eternal salvation. If you don't mind, if you, can you just take us, like, and, and I don't know if this is too hard to talk about or, or, or what things are you, you're able to talk about, but, you know, in those five days, wh- what's going through your mind? And how did the previous events, you know, where God was building your faith, did you feel like those came came through? Did they help you at all? I mean, what were you thinking? Because I know it's very different to be in the situation. Yeah, I think the very first day was very, especially the first few hours were very different. I mean, difficult, I would say, you know, lots of questions. Why is this happening? Why have you made this mistake, God? And did we not have a clear understanding? This is not how it's supposed to work out. But then kind of thinking through some of those anchoring faith lessons in life, thinking about uh, some of my own faith heroes, thinking about Daniel's friends, you know, um, yeah, in the, in the, fiery furnace, and really kind of thinking about, you know, what would the situation entail? Would they ask me to renounce my faith? And and thinking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, even if our God doesn't save us, we will still not bow down. And yeah. so what does that mean for me right now? Would I renounce my faith? Yeah, those were, those were really good moments early on to really kind of get settled into the reality of the situation and, and yeah. maybe even come to Groups with the fact that yeah, my life, the way that I've defined it and, and the way that I have imagined it would turn out is obviously not how it's going to work out right now. Now, this is quite possibly a sure death that I'm walking into. But in spite of that, could I hold strong to what God is doing at this moment? And that was a pivotal moment for me to say, I'd say to God, I will be thankful. I am appreciative of all the lessons you've taken me through. And this will, this moment will count. Wow! For your so glory, much, yeah. So so much strength. I mean that 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 was so neat to be able to kind of process that with God. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Your glory does not depend on my life or my death. Wow. Your glory is is independent of that. And and the fact that you use people like me is is a privilege itself. Mm. Uh, but you're not dependent on my the outcome of my life. Your glory mm. does not depend on that. So. You know, how does, how does that then reflect God's goodness? And, and that sort of resolve led to some amazing conversations that uh, was so neat to be part of on the second day and the third day. Conversations with the insurgents? And I look back at those. With the, really? Yeah, with the insurgents. One guy just opened up his entire life and, and just a three-hour conversation about how is life supposed to be. You know, we know that this is not all there yeah. is to life. And that was just powerful. I mean, now looking back, I was like, wow, wow. God just showed up so powerfully. And God's presence was so real. And the peace that God gave me was so real. And to be able to just speak light into a situation that just seemed so hopeless, so lifeless, that really had to be God kind of yeah, showing up. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> you are, you know, putting your life at, uh, you know, in, in danger and you're sharing now um, some deep things with them. And, and how was that received? Um, yeah, incredibly well. Uh, much better than yeah. I anticipated. 
their observation and, and their reception was so deeper than I would have given any sort of appreciation yeah. for at that moment. Because there was this one keen observation that was made in a statement that came out of that. It said something like, after this three-hour conversation, one of them said, why are we killing this man? He is a better Muslim than we are. The word Muslim literally translating to someone who is truly submitted to the Almighty, yeah. in their case, you know, their definition of uh, Almighty yeah. being Allah. And he's a man of peace. He's a better Muslim Whoa. than we are. So to, for them to have an awakening that way, just simply from us sharing lives, just being transparent to each other, me sharing why I do what I do, my upbringing and how I enjoy being in their country and, and coming across people who are honest and open and, and really seeking to truly serve God and understand Him. So th those type of conversations I did not right. anticipate. You know, that sort of depth and that sort of transparency. And for them to make a comment like that, I, I literally asked my medical colleague whether I could lay down for a few minutes. And as I'm laying down, that's when I hear these statements being made about me. And I literally remember saying to God, wow, you're doing something way deeper than I ever anticipated. Even if I were not to wake up from this, from this yeah. short nap, I know you've started something beautiful that you are faithful to complete in your time, in your way. And, and I remember going to sleep now, although only for 10 minutes and they woke me up for tea. And that was just wow. powerful. Very, very pivotal uh, moment. Yeah. I just can't even imagine. And, 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 I mean, just to know how God used such a, again, horrific experience and yet brought something, you know, beautiful, even just, even if it's a moment of awakening, you know, to these, to these guys. I mean, um, many of us won't experience what you experienced, uh, in terms of our own lives being on the line, you know, and having that. And, and, and I say this with fear and trembling, but truly what a privilege for you as horrible as I'm sure it was, but what a privilege for you to be able to define your faith and, and to be able to say, God, I trust you. Mm -hmm. That's, it's just incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would very much agree with that, Ryan. And, and as I've sought God about specific purposes behind this experience, I feel like God has taken me through an amazing mm. journey of truly, you know, that appreciation for these people, these insurgents, people that we easily categorize yeah. as evil, that we could be in their position if we were to have similar right. circumstances. But through God's grace that our circumstances yeah. have been different and we've been called mm. to be a light. And even when we had this amazing calling to, to take a introspective view of my heart, and realize that, wow, my attitude towards people who are made in God's image, just because they don't do something that I appreciate, that attitude yeah. is not good. And it took an event like this to realize that I don't define them by their yeah. work yeah. of self-righteousness, but I define them in the potential of what God yeah. has created them. For. And that took another few years where God just sort of told me to just rest in you know, some parables. One of my favorite one that I just maybe spent a couple mm. of years on was the parable of the prodigal son that, that really kind of took me through revelations and revelations of how incredibly compassionate, equally compassionate the father is towards the so-called righteous son and not mm. so righteous son. 
the mm. love is the same. Oh my gosh. The the reaching out with mercy and compassion is the same. The yeah. love that he feels, the the draw that he has to both wow. sons is the same. And the way I easily define people in categories, us versus them or not so righteous versus yeah. not so sinful. I mean or or you know, in my own definition of righteousness, wow, they impress me, but perhaps they yeah. don't impress God, you know? So these categories that I've given in my own filters, whether it's familial, cultural, you know, even Christian culture, that that that's very humbling to, as a result of a, a very difficult situation, to then get to know God's heart even in a real way through some yeah. revelations of stories that you've <laughs> right. read all your life, you know? But God says, take take a deeper look. Wow. Find me in this. That's so beautiful. I mean, oh, it's so good. You know, I'm, re- I'm reminded of the verse in Second Corinthians that I, it's just a, a beautiful verse. Second Corinthians 5, it says, From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. But having that perspective to see people the way that the Lord sees them, and like you said, not for what they do, but for who they are and who they're made by. I mean, that is mm. that is incredible. What a powerful revelation that you have. I'm so thankful that we could even get to that. That's like the gem in this story, is that even in the midst of your life being on the line, you were able to take on, though hard, you know, the the heart of God that he showed that to you and cultivated something within you that is a life lesson that, oh my gosh, what would the world be if we all thought that? You know, mm. could you imagine? Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? That God can use what what seems to be difficult moments to then yeah. remind you, hey, I, I was I was with you yeah. in that time, you know, very similar yeah. to when I shared with my mom's death, that, that my presence is really what brought you through. And it is it is a great reminder yeah um those are the moments that 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 fill our lives right or should de- truly define our lives i'd like to ask just maybe one question one 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 final question is what would you say to yourself even before that night where you lost your mom and before the lord started to show you in a very personal way how faithful he is what would you say to the to the jd before that I know what I wouldn't have expected, right? I I don't think I would have appreciated the wisdom of the trials at that moment. You know, the before the the one pivotal trial that I can think of, right? Mom's death. I know I wouldn't have expected deep lessons from these trials. Yeah. Uh, but now, looking back, I would say, you know, hold on tight to God and His goodness and faithfulness, even in the midst of the trials, because it is really the trials that really define you and appreciate mm. God further and deeper and appreciate others deeper. I wow. wouldn't have been able to appreciate that if I told myself that, you know, at 22 before my mom's death. Wow. Wow. What an honor it's been to talk to you and to hear your story. I just thank you so much for um, for giving us your time today and sharing your heart. Wow. And as, as even difficult as it is to recount some of those things, I, I know our listeners appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, just just pray the Lord will continue to bless you and, and, and allow you to impact so many more people through your story. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, we have to remember these. It becomes our foundation, our testimony. That's how we overcome blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. So good. Yeah, it's awesome. Bless you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Blessings. Please stay for the send-off as you get to enjoy Michael Thompson 
Oneway Founders rendition of Ferris Lord Jesus. If you want this song or the entire library of Michael Thompson's recorded songs, join the One Way email list. We will send a link to that in our show notes. So you just select the I to get those show notes. One Eighty is a production of One Way Ministries.